actually, no, we're not talking about a G6. We're talking about living in a 5G world. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing. It's like living a science fiction movie in real life. Cars and buses will drive themselves. Appliances will order their own supplies. Technology, get this, will operate at speeds 10 to 100 times faster than 4G. Movies are going to download 200 times faster than you can microwave your popcorn. And it's coming, whether you like it or not. But here's the bad news. 180 doctors and scientists from over 35 different countries, they signed a petition warning about 5G's frightening health risks. They're actually pleading for more research before it's actually forced on the public. Would you believe that the military refers to 5G as a weapon? It's so powerful, in fact, that they are able to deploy it for crowd control and national defense. And not only that, 5G may one day help protect us from terrorism. An alleged government memo claims that the Trump administration is considering using 5G to form a kind of defense perimeter, which will hopefully guard classified U.S. information from cyber attacks and also enable data-intensive weapons to defend our borders. I'm Kim Commando, America's digital pro. And as you know, I've been in this business a long time. I've seen so many new breakthroughs, but this 5G is different, folks. It's powerful, powerful technology with some really intense capabilities. Like, you're gonna start seeing 5G antennas popping up in your neighborhood. How about one on every 10 to 12 homes? So you really need to know exactly what 5G means because nobody in greater civilization will be able to avoid 5G exposure. As I mentioned, 5G is super fast. Of course, gamers and virtual reality buffs are gonna enjoy these super high maintenance apps on individual headsets flawlessly. It's not possible now. And workers will get nearly instant access to any type of document, photo, video file, you name it. That's all gonna be housed in this 5G cloud. But a lot of people are freaked out about 5G. It doesn't seem all that long ago that I did a Commando On Demand podcast on EMF exposure risks. Well, that was just based on 4G frequency. That was scary enough. But with 10 to 100 billion connections being added, the negative side effects are probably going to get worse. That's why you want to stay right where you are, because in this special Commando On Demand podcast, you're going to learn about all the great things that 5G is promising, but also you need to know about the downsides too. Now, it's not my intention to freak you out, but I just need you to have the facts. Okay, right now, you may not even know exactly what 5G is. You may think it's something that, well, I'll make my phone work a little better. Sorry to break the news to you, but that knowledge is just not good enough. You really need to hear from a wide variety of experts if you want to make a good decision about how you are going to use 5G in your life. So I'm going to bring it to you, the good, the bad, and also the cost of 5G. First up, we're going to talk to Nikki Palmer. She's a bigwig. She's Verizon Wireless's chief network officer, and she's always happy to talk about this exciting world of 5G. So let's just start at the beginning, Nikki. What exactly does G mean? The G means generational, and 4G networks were an amazing improvement over 3G networks. 5G holds the promise to be that and more. I can tell you, our listeners have been around technology for a while. So in a basic tech sense, what can we look forward to with 5G? 
massive bandwidth which will deliver very, very fast speeds. So speeds in the gigabit range. I also think of it in terms of latency. Latency is the responsiveness of your network. Let's go a little bit deeper. Of course, there's always latency and speed issues. What about that? So to take latency into sort of the single digit millisecond range, which is a tenfold improvement over what current 4G networks do. And without giving us a whole science fiction novel, what do you think is in store for us in the future? What 5G can hold for us is connecting billions of things and having that agility and scalability within the architecture to not just be, you know, one thing here or there, but really billions of devices connecting to a 5G network. Of course, Verizon Wireless is big into technology and cellular networks. And you are the chief network officer for this big corporation. Can you tell us what stage of development you're in right now? We actually have 5G nodes on air right now across the country in 11 locations, and we are testing. I always love to hear Nikki speak. Isn't she amazing? I like that she has the same level of enthusiasm for technology that I do. Now, one thing that she wanted to make sure that I mentioned is the launch of Verizon's new lab section. It's specifically dedicated for 5G and, you know, that whole Internet of Things. The Internet of Things allows data to transfer over a network without any human interaction whatsoever. Anyway, Verizon hopes to be the first to launch a 5G fixed wireless broadband solution in the U.S. sometime this year. Now, you can't talk about 5G without mentioning Sandra Rivera. She's the vice president of Intel's Data Center Group, and she's also the general manager of Intel's Network Platforms Group. She and her team provide this innovative technology and solutions to the networking industry. Her mission with Intel? To develop improved business expedience and awesome, uninterrupted customer experience. That's her main focus, introducing 5G to the world. Now, hang on to your brains, folks, because she's a pretty technical woman. That's why I love her. But some of you may be like, whoa, what did she just say? You might have to listen to the podcast twice, I'm just warning you, which wouldn't be such a bad thing because you're going to learn so much. So Sandra, some people are absolutely ravenous for more processing power. That's where we're headed in the future, right? I mean, can we get enough? So when we look out into the future, we see a future that is all about data. We believe that in the next five years, over 70% of the human population will have or use a smartphone, and over 90% of everyone over the age of six would have some kind of mobile device. But beyond people, the next data revolution in the future is really about the things. In fact, by 2020, we believe that over half of all the data that is generated on the network will come from machines. So how much data are we talking about in the future compared to now? We generate, on average, about one and a half gigabytes of data per day. But that pales into comparison in terms of what a connected car will generate. A connected vehicle will generate 2,500 times as much data, up to four terabytes a day. A connected plane, five terabytes a day and a smart factory up to one petabyte of data per day. And, and one petabyte, for, uh, for any of you keeping track, is a thousand terabytes or one quadrillion uh, bytes. I have to tell you, when I first started in the tech industry, one gigabyte was almost unheard of. How could we ever manage a quadrillion bytes? 
So to handle all of that data, we need a fundamental different approach in terms of how networks are architected and deployed, and we believe 5G is an answer to that problem. Seems like it's not only an answer, but there will be the revolutionary operating source of everything. That's just too big to digest in one chunk. So let's take it piece by piece. In a nutshell, what are the systems that will be affected by this revolution? The first is massive machine type communications. And these are indicative of the types of technologies and capabilities that are enabling the internet of things. So sensor data in the smart appliances in your home or uh, smart lighting and smart infrastructure in a smart city. Of course, all the infrastructure in a, in a smart factory. And what are the advantages of this so-called sensor data that you're talking about? They don't require large amounts of bandwidth and they are not sensitive to latency, but there's many, many millions of these sensors that need to be aggregated and where you can collect data and then turn that into valuable insights and information. Okay, this is really something. We have sensor data, smart appliances, smart homes, smart factories, very exciting stuff. Give us another example. A second use case is enhanced mobile broadband. In fact, many of the trials that we're participating in today are under this category of capability. The 5G tech forum with Verizon is focused on not just the immersive experiences you're trying to enable in the home, but that last mile of that last few hundred yards or few hundred meters of connectivity. That's what the innovations in the new wireless technology will enable for enhanced mobile broadband. And you had mentioned low latency systems that are presumably ultra reliable. Is that really possible? One of the best examples of this particular use case is the connected car, where you need a very fast response time when you're doing functions like collision avoidance or overtaking a vehicle or, or lane changing. We know with today's 4G network that round trip response time typically takes about 15 milliseconds between the connected car and the network. But in order to deliver on the collision avoidance promise that we have with connected cars, you really need to take that down to three milliseconds. And with 5G, that response time is actually shortened down to just one millisecond with 99.99% reliability. That is so impressive. Now, my broadcasting company, Westar Multimedia Entertainment, we have so many moving parts. I can imagine that we'll be incorporating facets of 5G when it's ready if nothing else, just for the computing power alone. But developers just can't snap their fingers and make that happen, obviously. So what needs to go down in order for you to offer that level of accuracy and that level of power to businesses? We know that we need a different approach to the network architecture. We need a network infrastructure that is much more intelligent, not just in the core, but in the edge and in the access of the network with distributed, intelligent, programmable, and scalable capabilities through that spectrum of infrastructure. We also know that when we introduce programmable computing in parts of the network that never existed before, you're able then to harness a lot of the data that you collect and turn that into valuable information that you can then monetize and where you can create new services that are available both upstream to the content providers and also downstream to the consumers of that data, whether they're people or their things. And of course, open source and open standards 
really represents a critical capability of accelerating that distributed intelligent network architecture because open source and open standards lowers the barriers to entry, accelerates the pace of innovation, it allows us to have many more new use cases and capabilities and overall more choice and lower cost in the market. So within this intelligent infrastructure, what exactly is being deployed today? We'll start with drones in the access network, and I love drones. Drones are fun, but they're also quite useful. Uh, today, they're used for photography and surveying, they're used for inspections, and they're even used to create an on-the-fly cellular uh, transmission capability. So imagine a natural disaster where your infrastructure is wiped out. You can actually recreate that infrastructure, that wireless access capability, through a drone network. So great, drones can help us save the world when the whole system goes down. If only I knew how to fly mine better so I don't crash it. Anyway, is there anything else in the sky we should all know about? We've been working with Airbus. Airbus provides a number of aircraft inspections clearly for their aircraft uh, throughout the year. And typically, this is the job of two people hoisted on cherry pickers that inspect that airplane end to end and that process takes about two hours. With a drone, that process only takes 15 minutes, but you have added capabilities with a drone because you can begin to collect data on those inspections and build a database of flaws and, and faults and diagnosis of problems with airplanes and be able to test what you see with the 360 cameras on the drone with the database that is stored back in the cloud. Okay, that's awesome. Now, let's get back on the ground just for a little bit. How will 5G affect me, let's say, when I'm at a concert or maybe I'm at the Super Bowl game? I noticed that it's really hard to post when there's thousands in a crowd. Last year, I took my mother to a Neil Diamond concert, and it was really hard to even tweet out because of all the network congestion. So today at events and concerts, we know that the distribution of the data and the load on the network is very spiky. And if you look at something like the Super Bowl, the high peak traffic for content actually isn't for touchdowns. It is during the halftime show when you see people taking uh, selfies and photos and videos and uploading. What, what that represents to the network provider is, of course, a great load on their network. And one of the ways they're overcoming that is by bringing more intelligence to the edge of the network from the core and extending that capability and building a CloudRAN uh, capability that now allows you to cache content locally and to be able to satisfy the user's experience without the backhaul costs and latency that you would normally incur. With 5G, that capacity and coverage increases anywhere from 100 to 5,000 times, and it does so in a way that is much more cost-effective. Again, bringing that intelligence from the core to the edge, uh, to the access network, and having a consistent architecture by which you deliver these new experiences to all of the users uh, exactly the same time. I am so looking forward to all that stuff. All right, one last question, because I know that we have a lot of business owners who listen to the Kim Commando Show and the Commando On Demand podcast. Do you have any advice, any words of encouragement for business owners? 5G is happening now. 
And in fact, when you have that programmable computing capability in all areas of your infrastructure, you're able to provide data analytics and turn so much of that data into valuable services that you can monetize with your upstream customers and your downstream customers. Thanks again, Sandra. I really appreciate the time that you spent with us. And I wish you the best on your launch. And if you're ever in Phoenix, come by and say hello to us. Thank you. So as you can see, 5G isn't just a slam dunk deal. I really need you to know more about it. In order for you to understand, as you can clearly say, there's a lot of information around 5G. So that's why you wanna stay right where you are because coming up, we're gonna talk about what's next in 5G, including how your car is gonna have this 5G connection. Totally amazing stuff. And of course, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but we have to talk about the bad news with 5G too. All right, we're still on the good section of 5G. So it's time to go to market with Vincent Averts. He's sort of like the Netherlands version of me. He is a super famous blockchain expert. He's a tech junkie, passionate speaker, and a video blogger. He doesn't cover quite as much ground as I do, but he does have an audience, and he links to them very effectively with new technology. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of jealous right now because Vincent got to go to a place where I've always wanted to go. He went to the 2018 Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and he came back loaded with all kinds of information on all the latest 5G trends. He also got to visit Ericsson, which is one of the top telecommunications leaders in Sweden. They're doing some really great things over there. Just recently, they collaborated with both Intel and Korea Telecom and connected a car to 5G right in the middle of Seoul. So Vincent, are you excited about 5G or what? But is there anything that you wanna share about it that you saw over at the Mobile World Conference in Barcelona? It is a thousand times more capacity, a hundred times more speed, at 10 times less latency, and the phone uses 10 times less energy. So we are finally going to get phones which last for one, two, or three days. So that's really I'm interesting about 5G. Everybody is really serious about it. And Ericsson, we forget here in the United States how tech aggressive they really are. How close are they to launching a 5G product? Ericsson said, hey, every hardware which we've shipped since 2015 is now ready for 5G. The standard of 5G was only ready in December, but now they're shipping it everywhere all over the world and previous hardware was already there. So the big networks are now working, uh, are now being implemented for 5G in America, in China, in Japan, in Korea, and also Europe is slowly starting up. So that's really interesting to see the back office of Ericsson, how they're doing that. That's some really technical information, how they're doing it, but it's, uh, it's getting very, very quick. So you've heard the good, 5G is truly amazing technology, and we have to respect the sheer power of it. 5G definitely has a lot to brag about, but you may not be on board some of the changes it's going to bring. Speaking of changes, I heard from my colleagues, Paul Benson and Eric Rodriguez from True News, and they uncovered something very interesting. Can you imagine a world without television? Well, T-Mobile may be aiming for just that. So AT&T and Verizon, um, along with T-Mobile and Sprint, they're all focused on 5G for this year. They're, they're trying to deploy the next generation of wireless technology throughout the U.S. and across their coverage uh, areas now uh, throughout this year. T-Mobile, though, is taking another step. Not only are they deploying 5G, 
they're also getting ready to go after the cable and satellite networks. They're getting ready to uncarrier, what they call it, the TV industry. And so what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to basically attack those companies to free up people from contracts, from disruptive service and things like that. And I know they're headed for one bundle that's all cellular, 5G on both ends, through a set-top box. And that's going to be possible once 5G towers start showing up in residential neighborhoods. This totally aligns perfectly with T-Mobile's plan. Yeah, they actually they acquired a company called Layer 3. They said that they're a leader in technology when it comes to TV services. Right now, they're only in a small area throughout the U.S., but with this um, acquisition, they're going to obviously going to be deployed throughout all of the U.S. And they plan on using their technology, which their uh, set-top box is actually all wireless. Well, T-Mobile is going to incorporate their technology, their, their cellular technology into this box. And basically you won't, you won't be required to have a, like a coax cable um, or a phone line ran to it. It will be basically you plug it into your power and you're gonna have cellular technology built into this box that can then be distributed throughout your entire house. Their main strategy is to basically take over the television industry by way of your phone. You know, everything is going to be geared towards your phone, viewing from your phone, um, and T-Mobile is going to take advantage of that. Another thing that sort of makes me go, hmm, well, it's all the self-driving cars. I'm not sure if people are going to like that one either. So who's doing what in that arena? Uh, Kia is going to be rolling out the Nero, which is a uh, all-electric vehicle, which is featuring driverless technology, as well as GM. Uh, GM said that they're going to be making an autonomous car without steering wheels or pedals by 2019. So you're starting to see these massive companies that are making plans that are, are you know already designing these these uh, vehicles that require 5G. It just seems like there's no stopping this technology uh, from being rolled out. This is so weird because doesn't it usually take a really long time to get past all the traffic and safety and government regulations? Yeah, one thing that um, from the rollout or the announcement from GM um, at CES, they actually said that they submitted a petition to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration for permission to deploy a car that doesn't comply with the current federal safety standards. So, you know, going back to the health issues, you know, we want to throw in safety as well. They're trying to rewrite or, you know, kind of go around the current safety standards in order for them to be able to deploy this steering wheel-less car in the next couple years, really. Well, it seems they're really not worried about safety protocol, but I am. So in your opinion, do you think people will eventually just submit to all the health risks, or will this actually escalate to be a bigger concern? I think it's to be a bigger concern because, uh, you know, although 5G is going to be a benefit as in speeds and being able to help businesses do things quicker, people at home, you know, do and find things quicker, you also have to deploy more hardware in order to get the faster speeds. They have to deploy a lot more towers, a lot more antennas, a lot more hardware in general in order to make 5G a reality. So one article I had, had seen a, like a, a mock-up of, and one building alone on top of the roof, they had four to five different antennas on top of one building. So just imagine that throughout your entire city, whether it's large or small, every single building is gonna have a minimum, according to this picture, four antennas on each building in order to be able to deploy 5G in the way that they want. Four to five antennas, all deploying the same electromagnetic frequency as microwaves connecting and controlling 
billions of devices at once. It sounds kind of like a slow human barbecue. Obviously, here we go. There's bad news about 5G you need to know about too. Not too long ago, I did a podcast, and if you missed it, you really should listen to it. It was about the movie Generation Zapped and all the health risks and diseases associated with EMF waves. That movie was released last year, and it was only referring to 4G mobile technology. Now, multiply those symptoms about by, I don't know, 10 to 100 fold, and unfortunately, that's potentially 5G. I mean, consider what happens in your microwave. How do you think it can heat up your coffee or cook bacon in record time? Well, without getting overly technical, it ramps up the electricity from 120 volts coming out of your wall to a whopping 3,000 volts. Your microwave not only exposes your food to electromagnetic radiation, it actually changes the polar molecules in your food. Now, the molecules in your food are mostly water. When microwaved, they produce thermal energy in a process called dielectric heating. It's the changing and excitation of molecules. Are you still with me? And guess what, my friends? Humans are mostly water. Our cells are not immune to excitation when exposed to microwave frequencies. Just forget about politics for just a moment. Health, privacy, personal information, the ability to control our own devices, we're going to have to give it all up just to get a hold of the power of 5G. There are always people who are afraid of new technology, afraid what it will do, how it will affect them, what it will do to their families. Do you remember back in the 1950s? Oh no, don't watch too much television. It's gonna be bad for you. Don't sit too close to the TV. It's gonna hurt your eyes. And today, it's all about going outside and not having so much screen time. It's in the best interest of the cellular companies to make sure that any health concerns with 5G, well, that they're addressed. And all that is happening right now behind the scenes. But what about the cost? Sprint has confirmed that your 5G cell phone bill, it's gonna go up. But from what? I used to pay $100 a month not too long ago. Now I'm down to $80 a month with unlimited data. 5G phones with all the bells and whistles. Are you ready for it? Forget about the $1,000 smartphone, $1,500. But it's gonna be great. We're talking about facial recognition. It will control your car, your home. But other companies are saying that prices won't increase by that much at all. That's because we're talking about two different type of costs here. Soft costs, meaning the data and the speed, may very well stay the same. On the other hand, you're gonna have to pony up more towards infrastructural costs if you want their gadgets to be under your own 5G control. It's gonna transfer your role from the customer to the operator. There are so many moving parts, like I said. And as you can imagine, these self-running gadgets and self-organizing networks, it's not gonna come without a price. So for this year and next, let's just talk about your phone. Of course, we have Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. They have all these different deals with different companies to get their 5G chipset. For instance, Sprint has a deal with Qualcomm. Each mobile company has its own bandwidth capabilities. And like today, some will be better at delivering than others. Data prices are definitely going to change. It's probably gonna be structured differently than the price per gigabyte that we are using today. So I'm curious, how many of you actually know how to milk a cow? Can you bale hay? Can you make cheese from scratch? Okay, I can't do any of the above. I can make butter from scratch, but that's another story. 
But if I go on YouTube, there's going to be somebody there to tell me how to milk a cow and bale hay and make cheese. Back in the day, this was all common knowledge. My point is don't run away from technology. It's not chasing you. Take the time to learn about 5G. And always ask yourself, how much do I allow 5G to control my life? These are smart questions that we should be asking ourselves as we enter this whole 5G movement. And don't forget, take a moment and listen to the podcast I did that's called Generation Zapped. I really delve into the physical effects of electromagnetic frequencies. I'm Kim Commando, America's Digital Pro, and I just want to remind you, always walk in the knowledge of technology. It's a heck of a lot better than being afraid of it. So as you can see, 5G isn't just a slam dunk deal. I really need you to know more about it. I couldn't have done this podcast without our special guest. First up, thank you, Nikki Palmer. Uh, She's Verizon Wireless's Chief Network Officer. Appreciate you being on board with us. And also joining us, Sandra Rivera. She's the Vice President of Intel's Data Center Group and General Manager of Intel's Network Platforms Group. She gave us a lot of information about processing power. And then from the Netherlands, Vincent Averts. Thank you, Vincent.